We're so honored that you joined us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. But it is so good to be together. We are in the middle of a message series called Functional Faith. Functional Faith. The word functional means to work. And I believe sometimes when we read the Bible and we hear messages, we hear the things that we know we should be doing, and we read scripture, but sometimes there's this gap between what we know and how it works in our everyday life. And so I love that we've been going through different areas of our faith, and Pastor Josh did a wonderful job the last couple of weeks teaching us how to pray and how to read our Bible. Some of these things that we think, oh yeah, we just, we just read the Bible, we just pray. But also, we, when we look at our spiritual life, sometimes we don't see these things working the way that God designed them to work. We don't see the power in it. We don't see the, the fruit of those things in our life. And it's, sometimes it can be just very practical things that we don't have an understanding of or we're not actually walking out. So today I wanna talk to you about a very spiritually big topic, but I believe is one of the missing ingredients in our Christian walk, that if we don't, number one, have an understanding of, and number two, understand how it works in our everyday life, we're gonna be missing out on potentially some of the greatest adventures that God has planned for your life and my life. It's this concept of how to be led by the Holy Spirit. How to be led by the Holy Spirit. And even in me saying that, there's many of you that already kind of tuned out in me saying that because sometimes when we hear um, the word Holy Spirit, we think, of, we think of something that is scary, we think of something that we, we don't understand, that is weird. And let me just remind you of who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit isn't an it, it's not the power thing. It is a person, it is actually the third person of the Godhead. We at Hope Church believe in the theology of the Trinity. That is that God is three in one. And we understand, and a lot of us can relate to Father God because we have earthly fathers, or if not, we at least understand the concept, um, whether you've had a good father or a bad father, there's a longing in all of us to have a relationship with a father or a father figure. So we can relate to God in that way as a father. For many of us, we like Jesus because after all, he died for us and gave us this new life that we get to experience and we read about him in the Bible and we understand him. But then there's this third person of the Trinity called the Holy Spirit. And for many of us, I think there's a fear in not only understanding and having a real relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit, but what it actually means to be filled with His Spirit and led by His Spirit. And I think sometimes churches and Christians have given the Holy Spirit a bad rap. I like to say it like this. The Holy Spirit isn't weird. People are weird. When you put the Holy Spirit in people, they're gonna do some weird things. It's just kinda like if you have a weird person or an extroverted person, if you take alcohol and you get them drunk, they're gonna do some weird stuff. If you fill somebody with the very Spirit of God, if they're weird, they're gonna be even weirder, <laughs> right? I mean, but the reality is, is the Holy Spirit wants to lead you and guide you into more and more of the things that God has for you. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is the comforter. He comforts us when we're down when we're depressed, when we're anxious. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is our guide, is our counselor. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. When we believe, been believing lies about ourselves and don't see things correctly, it's the Holy Spirit that can lead you to understand, I'm not looking at this right, I've been deceived. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. When we need guidance, when we need wisdom, it's the Holy Spirit that ushers in those things into our lives. It is the very gift that Jesus said to his disciples, which got passed to us, that it's actually better for you if I'm not here physically, that I go to the Father. Because when I go, the Father is gonna send you this wonderful gift called the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you have to understand something. You have the very person 
of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. It's what the Bible calls being born again. See, there is a person inside of you that God created you to be that sin distorts, that the world distorts, that our human experience in this world wants to conform you and shape you and it tries and the enemy of your soul wants to rob, steal, kill and destroy the very thing that God created you to be, the person who he made you to be and the very things that he made you to do. In Ephesians it talks about that long ago there are things that God planned for you and for me and we can completely miss out. I like to think about it like this, you ever watch a movie and then there's the director's cut, there's an alternate ending Think about that in your life and my life. There can be this alternate life that God has for you that he wants to lead you in day by day that you can completely miss if you're not led by the Holy Spirit. It's the greatest adventure. And I think this is where we get stuck. I love this, I love this quote from Pierre Teilhard de Chardin. I'm brushing up on my French. I took three years of it in high school, so I should be, I should be better. Pierre Terrard de Chardin. How's that? Better? I say, if you just want to act French, just go, and, you know, that's my French. But he was a French philosopher, and he said this. He said, listen, this is so key. We are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. I'm going to say that again. We are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. And I think too many times we get into this rut in our spiritual lives and we wonder why our faith isn't working because we forget that we were never meant to be led by our human soul, our human flesh. We were actually meant to be led by the Holy Spirit. If you've been born again, this is what the term in the Bible means by being born again. Your spirit comes alive, and now the Holy Spirit is alive in you. The Bible says that it's actually the same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave is alive in you. Come on, sometimes I think we forget these things, and we need to be reminded the Spirit, the Holy Spirit needs to remind us of the power that lives inside of us that we have access to. But we're gonna take a, a look at a passage of scripture in Galatians chapter five, where, where Paul is reminding the church in Galatia that you can live two different lives. That you're, you're actually, right now, not living in the fullness that God has for your life because you're living in this thing that the Bible calls the flesh. The flesh is the Greek word sarxes. It actually means literally our, our bodies, our natural bodies, our five senses, our feelings, our soul nature. It's actually our nature that we were born into sin with. It's our sinful nature. It's our natural tendencies to want our own way apart from God's ways. It's the difference between, listen, there's two gardens. There's, there's the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve said, our way, not your way, God. And then there's the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus said, your way, not my way, God. That's the difference between the living in the flesh, which always ushers in sin, or living in the power of the Holy Spirit, which always, it brings immediate death to the flesh, but it brings resurrection power and resurrection life. It brings peace, it brings joy, it brings the, the ability to actually reproduce life in other people. And for too many of us, we're missing out on the most beautiful gift that God gave us. He said that will be with you that will never leave you, that will never forsake you. He's always there. I like Francis Chan's uh, book, he calls it Forgotten God, and where he talks about the third person of, of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And he gives this analogy of a caterpillar that crawls around in the dirt every single day. It's gotta work so hard just to get from one place to the other. It's gotta crawl through the rocks and the dirt and the debris and push through things. And I think sometimes, apart from the Holy Spirit, that's what, our, that's what our walk is like, trying to follow God. This is why some of you are tired. Maybe some of you are ready to give up on Christianity. Some of you are ready to just say, you know what, this is too hard. 
I don't know how to do this. It's not working. My faith isn't working. And the reason it's not working is because you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to bring you and lead you into the life and the things that God has for you. He says that caterpillar, one day it goes to sleep and it wakes up and all of a sudden it's transformed and has these beautiful wings. And it doesn't have to crawl on its belly anymore. Now it actually has the ability to fly. I love this quote. He says, why do we keep on crawling when we could fly? And I think that's the difference between what we're going to see Paul talk about, living a life in our own power, our own strength, living a life trying to make decisions on our own in our flesh versus living and being led by the Holy Spirit. So turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to start verse 13 down to verse 26. This whole passage of Scripture is called Life in the Spirit. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. How many are grateful that in Christ we are free? Thank you for the grace of God. But I'll tell you what, especially in modern day Christianity, we run the risk of trampling on the grace of God and living after we we're free and we know we're going to heaven. We don't just live for ourselves and do whatever we want to do. We actually are called now to live a different life, to be led by a different spirit, not just our spirit. And he says this, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And if you bite and devour each other, watch out. You will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit. Look at the terminology that Paul uses walk by the Spirit. I want to point that out. You're going to notice a couple of times he says, walk by the Spirit. Be in step with the Spirit. See, this isn't something that you just decide, I'm going to do this, and you take a big leap. No, it actually requires you daily to take steps towards this, to learn over time how to walk with God, how to follow Him, how to be led by Him, how to hear His voice. He says this. Now, this is where the contrast comes in. For the flesh, that's our own way, desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do whatever you want to do. This is the tension that we live in as Christians every day. The tension inside of us, and by the way, I don't know about you, but I feel this all the time, that your flesh wants to pull you its own way, and the Spirit of God is calling you and trying to pull you into the things that God has for you. If you don't feel this conflict, that's, that's a problem. Maybe that means you have, you have gotten calloused and your heart has gotten calloused and you've, you, you've followed your flesh for so long that you've become desensitized to the Holy Spirit. And he goes on to say this. He says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. You're under grace. And now he, he wants to give us a picture, and I think this is so important, that you see the two contrasts of what it's like when we live in the flesh versus when we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. It says the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, that's anything, a sexual act outside of the covenant of marriage, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, putting other things before God witchcraft. And some of us be like, yeah, witchcraft, I don't have to worry about that. Well, can I tell you something? Part of witchcraft is manipulation. Part of witchcraft, the Greek word is pharmakia. It's any time that you use a substance to alter your state of consciousness and even your ability to be in tune and in touch with the Spirit of God. He says, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition. Oh, God, help us dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I don't believe Paul is saying that it's going to stop you from coming into heaven if you're a follower of Jesus. But I believe what he means by you will not inherit the kingdom of God is that you won't inherit all that God has for you in your life. You want to know what God has for you when you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit? He says, but the fruit of the Spirit, this is the outworking of when you allow God to lead you by His Holy Spirit. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit 
is love, is joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Lord, help me. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And listen how he ends this. So we live by the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Father God, we give you this time. We surrender ourselves to you. We ask that you speak to us through your word this morning. Let it get in us. Let it change us. Let it accomplish the work for which you set forth. God, I pray that you would not let us leave the same that we came this morning, that you would challenge us, that you would convict us, and most of all, that you would change us. God, I give you the time that we have. This microphone is yours. I'm your mouthpiece. Holy Spirit, I pray that you speak through me. I pray that you'd open the hearts and the minds of the people, everyone who's listening to this, to receive exactly what you have specifically for them. And God, I want to lift up our nation to you. God, I pray that you would forgive us for turning our way and not following your way. God, I pray that you would bring healing to this land. God, I pray that you restore this nation back under your authority, one nation under God. God, I lift up President Trump and Vice President Pence to you. God, I pray today that you surround them with your presence. I pray that you would lead them, Holy Spirit, guide them, surround them with godly wisdom and influential men that know you. God, I pray for revival for this country. God, we are nothing without your spirit. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would pour out on this country and turn it back to you. I pray for every church pastor, every leader, every church, that you would awaken your church during this hour. God, and, and rise, let us rise up as the army that you've called me to be. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. So why isn't this working in our life? Why don't we see more of the fruit of the Spirit that we just read working out in life? I believe there's two reasons. Number one is this. We've gotten accustomed or we've never learned to not, we followed our feelings more than our faith. We followed our feelings more than our faith. Our faith is our trust and hope in God. Our faith, you remember Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance of things, what? Hope for, it's the evidence of things unseen. We don't see it, but we trust that God is working and we trust his word, and because we trust his word, we trust his ways. But we, we have not learned after we have become born again to follow God's ways and what it means to be led by his spirit. And I believe we've gotten into some bad habits. And one of those bad habits is we've learned to follow our own feelings. And so we don't come to church because I don't feel like it. We don't serve in God's house because eh, I don't really feel like it. I don't worship or I sit there while everybody else is worshiping. Why? Eh, I've had a bad week. I don't really feel like it. I don't get into God's word in the morning because I don't really feel like it. I don't take time to pray. Why? Because I don't really feel like it. And over time, we have learned and we've sown into our feelings rather than following our faith and our trust in God. The second thing is this. I believe we've learned uh, to follow the world's ways instead of God's ways. The Bible says that his ways are so much higher than our ways. That if we will follow his ways, his ways, like I love when we sang that song, Graves to Gardens, this morning, and we were singing, there's nothing better than you. Man, I was singing that and thinking, God, there's nothing better than following your way. When I look over the course of my life, I can see the blessing in the hand of God on my life. Why? Not because I followed my own ways. And believe me, that's a choice that I have to make. And we'll get into that in a minute. But I can see that following God's ways are so much better. So much better your way, God, than following my way. And this is why some of us are frustrated and, and, and we feel this tension that our faith isn't working because we've allowed the world to tell us who God is, to tell us who we are, to tell us how we should spend our money, how we should use our free time, how we should raise our kids, how we should do marriage, 
and, and give a, the, the, listen, this world is trying to conform you into the pattern of this world, which is in direct opposition to exactly what God is trying to do, which is to conform you into the image of Christ. But we allow the world to influence us way too much. And what happens is we become a form of Christianity that God never intended. It's actually, uh, there's a term for it. It's called carnal Christianity. And carnal is, is where we get the word carne, which means meat. It means we, we actually are Christians, but we follow too much of our flesh. We have too much of us mixed in and our ways mixed in and the world's ways mixed in and not enough of the Spirit of the living God inside of us that is following us, empowering us, leading us, and guiding us. And I want to show you in Scripture how much we need the Spirit. The Bible actually talks about three different types of people. The first one is this, the person without the Spirit of God in them. That means anybody who has not surrendered their life to Jesus, they haven't been born again. This is why for many of us, if you remember before you were born again, trying to read the Bible, trying to understand the things of God, it's like, it's all Greek to me. I don't understand it. You're talking about a Greek word. I don't know what that is. I don't even get the Bible. It doesn't make sense. It seems like foolishness. Paul said this. He said, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. This is why if you're watching at home, if you're in the room right now and you've been considering surrendering your life to Jesus, but you're like, man, Christianity doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand it. Well, can I tell you something? You will never understand it until you put your faith in it first. If you decide to put your faith in it first, then the Holy Spirit comes alive in you. Now you actually have the ability to understand it. I'll tell you what, trying to read the Bible before I accepted Jesus and the Spirit came alive in me, man, it was like, it was like nails on a chalkboard. I'm like, I forced myself to read it, but I'm like, I don't get this. It's not alive. There's something about when the Spirit of God comes in you, all of a sudden the Word comes alive. That's why you can read it, and it's amazing. Later that day, there'll be a scripture that you read that morning that God will use to speak to you and use it for a specific situation because the Word is alive. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. What? Rightly dividing flesh and spirit. The Spirit works through and with the Word. The second kind of person that the Bible talks about is the person with the Spirit of God, who's led by the Spirit of God. Look at this. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely what? Human judgments. Think about it. There is so much now judgment. Don't think of judgment like you're judging people. Think of it like you're trying to make judgments about how you should spend your money, how you should think about something or someone, what you should do with your kids, what you should do with your business. When you, um, when you have the Spirit of God, the very Spirit of God actually gives you the ability to make decisions and to make uh, decisions with the Spirit of God that give you ability beyond your own human ability to make those decisions. And so we actually have a supernatural gift to see things and to make decisions differently than we would if we would through our normal way of thinking and looking at things. The third kind of person, I think, is actually the most dangerous. The Bible describes and Paul describes the person that actually has the Spirit of God, but you've never learned to be led by that Spirit. Look what he says in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 through 3. He says, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still what? Worldly. Mere infants in Christ. In other words, you're born again, but you stayed a baby in Christ. Listen, we, we were never meant, when we were born again, it's a beautiful picture of how in the beginning, we're, this is all new to us. We don't understand God, but we have this new life in us and we're excited about it. We're excited that we have freedom from sin and all that God can do in our life. But listen, if you don't learn to continually leave your old life behind and step into the things that the Spirit of God has for you, you are not going to grow in your faith. And you're going to continue to be frustrated. 
and your faith isn't going to work. It scares me to think about how many Christians have given up on their faith because they said this doesn't work. The reason it doesn't work is because this right here. You're still worldly. You're mere infants. Paul says, I tried to give you meat, but I couldn't. He says, I gave you milk, not solid food. Why? Because you weren't ready for it. He says, indeed, you're still not ready for it. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling and fights among you, you're not, are you not worldly? Are you, I love this. Are you not acting like mere humans? In other words, you're spiritual beings. You're, you're supernatural beings in a human body. You, you have so much, there's so much more that you're not experiencing. So how do we do this? How do we change? How do we learn to be led by the Holy Spirit instead of led by our flesh? I believe there's three things that I want to give you. The first one is this, and I'll say this. We need to learn to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit. We need to learn to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I say learn because this is a process of learning to recognize when God is speaking to you. First of all, you have to know and understand that God created you to be able to hear from him. And the mechanism that he uses to speak to you is this Holy Spirit. So many times you'll get what that looks like is, I, I can tell you this, I've never actually heard the audible voice of God. But God speaks to me all the time. How does he speak to me? He speaks to me through the Holy Spirit inside of me. Y'all you, you remember when you were kids and you used to make a fort and play fort? And the way you communicated, you took an old can and you tied some string to it, to another can, and you talk into one end of the can and it goes to the other. The Holy Spirit is our direct connection to the Godhead for God to speak to our spirit. And he's always speaking. The question is, are we tuned in? Are we creating space in our life to drown out the distractions and be able to lean in to the still small? Because let me tell you, the world screams loud, but the Holy Spirit whispers. And we can completely miss the voice of God. Some people say, well, I've never heard God. Can I guarantee you, God is always speaking to you. It's kind of like right now, you can't see it, but there's airwaves all over this room. And if you took an FM transmitter and you tuned in to a certain channel, you would hear a voice speaking to you or singing to you. The only way that you're going to hear that voice is if you're tuned in to the right channel. you got to get dialed into God. Look at this in 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13. It gives a beautiful picture of the prophet Elijah. And he's in one of the darkest times of his life. He's holed up in a man cave. And it's dark. He's depressed. He's actually, he, he even said to God, God, you just take my life. And he's in this really tough place. Maybe some of you are even in that place right now. You've been in this, you feel like you've been in this dark cavern or cave. And, and you don't hear God speaking to you. You don't see God moving. And I love that God loves you enough that he actually puts you here right now to hear this message and to be reminded that God is calling you out of that place just like he did to Elijah. He says this, God said, go out and stand before me on the mountain. Sometimes you just need to position yourself to be able to hear God. That's why it's so important you come to church. Every time I come to church, I, even though I'm not preaching, I mean, God speaks to me even while I'm preaching, but I love that every time I come to church, I'm positioning myself to hear from the Spirit of God. He says, go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elisha stood there, listen to this, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. And it was such a terrible blast, and the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And the wind, there was, after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after that, the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, listen, there was the sound gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in a cloak and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And I love this. Then he heard a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? This isn't what I have for you. 
There's so much more that I have for you and for your life. I wonder if the Spirit of God isn't saying the very same thing to some of you this morning. Where are you? There's so much more that I have for you. That if you would just tune into my voice. How many, how many of you guys love football? I love football. I'm a huge football fan. I grew up in New York, so I'm a Giants fan, which means I'm in lamentations right now. I am mourning because they're 0-5. To make matters worse and throw a little salt on the wound, um, we have a Hope Church Fantasy Football League, and I'm 0-5 in my Hope Church Fantasy Football League. Um, I actually had to change the name of my team from Danix Demolishers to Danix Duds because they're so bad. <laughs> so the Giants are 0-5. My fantasy football team is 0-5, so it's been a bad football season for me. But it's been a weird football season because... They're playing football, but they can't have, most of them anyway, don't have fans in the stands. And, um, and you don't realize how much that adds to the, you know, how much of an advantage that is if you're the home team. I remember when I took my son Jaden for his 13th birthday, he's a big Seahawks fan, and I, I took him to Seattle to watch a game. And in Seattle, they actually call their fans the 12th man. In fact, they don't let any player have the number 12 um, because they call their fans the 12th man. There's 11 for those of you who don't know, and ladies, um, there's a, well, some of you ladies may love football. You may know this. Don't hate. I'm getting some dirty looks. No football. Don't you be getting up on me. Anyway, they call their fans the 12th man, just like there's a 12th man on the field because that stadium gets so rocking, so loud. There are times, I don't know if you know this, but the quarterback, when, you know, he gets the play from the coach, and they have a little device that they put in their ear that's inside their helmet. And when it gets too loud, they can't even hear that voice inside their ear giving them direction, coaching them, telling them what plays to run. So if you'll notice, when it gets really loud, the quarterback will actually have to do this to be able to hear the play. He'll go like this, and he'll hear the play, and he'll be able to go in the huddle and tell the guys what play to run. I wonder how many of us need to do this to drown out the crowd noise and all the voices that are trying to compete with the voice of God. Maybe the very reason that we're not hearing God is because we're tuned out of God. We've allowed too many things to crowd our life and to drown out that still small voice that if we would just take a moment, what if you took a, took a few minutes of every day when you got up and you did this? You put away your phone, you put away Twitter, you put away Instagram, you, you put away all the, the to-do list that you had for the day and say, God, I'm tuning into your still small voice today. What is it that you want to speak to me? Here, here's your servant. I'm listening, God. And you just tune into that still small voice. How many things have we missed out on that God has tried to speak to us because we've allowed too many things to drown out his voice? The second thing that we need to learn to do is we need to learn not only to hear his voice, it's one thing to be able to hear what God is speaking and directing us and telling us what to do through his Holy Spirit, but it's a whole new world, thank you, Aladdin, to learn to follow the Holy Spirit, to let him lead you, to actually obey what God is speaking to you. And this is where, for a lot of us, the rubber meets the road. We're afraid to hear what God has to say if we're going to be honest with each other because we're afraid he's going to tell us to go to Africa. He's going to tell us to give money. He's going to tell us to go share this word with somebody. And that scares us. It scares us to live a life fully surrendered to God because we're afraid that God's going to make us miserable. He's going to tell us to do something that we don't want to do. And can I tell you that there have been times in my life where God, in fact, one of them was moving to Montana. I had a plan for my life. I felt like God was in that plan. But I wonder how many times that we are asking God um, to follow our plan instead of following his plan. And we have to learn to follow him and not invite him to follow with us. Look what Jesus said in Luke 9, 23. He said, then he said to the crowd, I love this. He said to the crowd, can I tell you, this is an open invitation. This isn't just for really spiritual people. This isn't for the good people, this isn't for the pastors, it isn't for the church leaders. This is 
speaking this to the crowd. It's an open invitation. There may be some of you watching online, some of you that you were reluctant to even come to church this morning because you, you, you feel guilty, like, man, I, God doesn't want to speak to me. All he wants to do is remind me of how bad I am and everything. Let me tell you, this is an open invitation to anybody who would hear his voice. In fact, he said that. If anyone hears my voice, let him hear. In Revelation, seven times it says, if anyone has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Now, when he was on the earth, he never said, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Go back and check it out. He would always say, whoever has ears, let him hear. Why? Because he was with them. They could hear his voice. He was physically there to speak to him. He says it in Revelation because now he gives us this gift of the Holy Spirit that if we'll tune in to hear his voice, he says, for those who have ears, let them hear what? What the Spirit is saying. And he says to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, this is the prerequisite. You can't follow Jesus unless you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. So what does that look like? I love that he says daily. You must take up your cross daily. This is a daily thing. It isn't a one-time thing that we made a decision to follow Jesus. We surrendered our life to him, and we're good. I'm good till I go to heaven. I, I said I would follow you, and we sing about it. But the reality is, is I wonder how many times that we're thanking Jesus for taking up our cross, and we're asking him to follow us. There's a big difference between that and taking up our cross daily and following him. One of the things that the Holy Spirit does is he guides us. He guides us. John 16, 13 says this, but when the spirit of truth comes, that's the Holy Spirit, he will do what? He will guide you into all truth. How many of you, so many times, that it's hard to discern what's the truth? I mean, just, just look at the news, for example. I mean, it's hard to discern more than ever in the history of the world what is really true and what is a lie. And this is so critical that we, we see clearly, that we know clearly, but it says that he will guide you into all truth if we let him. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Do you know that there are things that God has for your future, the things yet to come, that he's going to tell you about, that he's going to whisper in your ear, that if you will obey his voice and follow him today? So, so many times, listen, I think it's way easier to say, I'm just waiting on God's will for my life. You know, I'm just waiting for somehow that to get downloaded to me. Do you know that this, this uh, yeah, I hear constantly, I don't know what God's will is for my life, Pastor Lance. It's, I, hear me, I love you, I'm your pastor, but I think sometimes that's a cop-out. Let's be real with each other. It's much easier to say, I don't, I'm waiting for God to tell me his will for my life because that's a future. That's out there somewhere in the future. It's so much easier to say, well, I'll do God's will in the future when I figure that out. Can I tell you that figuring out God's will starts right here, right now, listening to the voice of God and obeying what he's saying to you now, not in the future. In fact, you want to know how to get to your future will that God has for your life? Just obey what he's telling you today. Obey what he's telling you right here, right now, in this moment. When I look back at the course of my life, do you know how I got here? It's a crazy path. But it started being in a service just like this and hearing the voice of God say to me in my spirit, you're supposed to ditch your plan to go get your master's degree and I want you to go to Montana. Say, what? <laughs> I've never been west of the Mississippi. I didn't even know what Montana looked like. I'm a city boy. Wait, you must have got this wrong. This must be for the guy next to me. That ain't me. You sent the wrong angel, God. You're talking to the wrong spirit, because that ain't for me. I had to die to myself. I had to die to my dreams. I had to die to the plans that I have, and I had to surrender to God and say, God, if that's what you have for me. My wife and I have always postured ourselves in a way. We haven't done things perfect. Hear me out. But I can guarantee you this. We've always believed that God's plan is better than my plan. And so every step that we felt God speak to us, we said, okay, here I am. Guide me. Lead me. The last thing is that we need to learn to see through the eyes of the Holy Spirit. We need to see 
through the eyes of the Holy Spirit. Pastor, what do you mean by that? I mean, how do I see? There are things that we see with our natural eyes that give us a perspective on life, on God, on ourselves, on people around us, on situations, on circumstances, on our future. That if we just allow ourselves to make judgments based on what we see through the natural, you will miss out on some of the most amazing things that God can do through your life if you will learn to not just see with your natural eyes, but see what Paul calls the eyes of our heart. He's talking about the, the very core of who we are. He's talking about the Spirit of God in us. We need to learn, and this is something you have to train yourself to be aware of. Every day, I can tell you that I know when I'm closest to God, when I am really filled with His presence and His Spirit, I'm following Him, I'm obeying Him, I see things differently than when I do when I'm not. I could tell, this is one of the, actually the ways that I could tell I, I need to spend more time with God because I don't see my wife the same way, I don't see situations the same way, things look darker than they really are, things look worse than they really are, and it takes the Spirit of God. Look at Paul says this in the Amplified Version of Ephesians 1, 18 through 19. He says, and I pray, and we need to pray, and we're going to pray just here in a little bit at the end of service, that the eyes of your heart, the very center and core of your being, may be what? Enlightened. This is when you talk about, when we talk about revelation, revelation, actually what that term means theologically is an unveiling. Like there are things hidden, I like to say it like this, there are things hidden in plain sight. There are things that you could look at that you'll completely miss without a revelation from the Spirit of God. This is how come we could read the Bible when we get a revelation, we can read a scripture and we can see something new and fresh in scripture that we didn't see before. It can speak to your exact circumstance that you need direction for, wisdom for, direction in your life for. But revelation means an unveiling. It means I'm, my vision's clouded. I can't see clearly. And now when the Spirit of God removes that veil, oh my gosh, I never saw that before. Things are so much clearer now. I can see. It's what the Bible says. I, used, I was once blind, but now I see. Man, but... Before I had the Spirit of God and I tried to read the Bible, I didn't understand it. Now I see it. He said, you'll be enlightened, flooded with light by the Holy Spirit so that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee and the confident expectation to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. There is so much that God has for us that we will miss if we don't have the eyes of our heart enlightened by the Holy Spirit and so that you will begin to know. Look, you can't even know some things. You can't know what the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power that is in you who believe without being able to see it through the eyes of the Holy Spirit. These are in accordance with the working of his mighty strength. Now, I love our church and I love the big glass stain or not stained, I love those too. But the, but the big glass windows, the entryways, you walk in through the church. I've walked through the, that door for seven years and something was different when I walked through that door. Uh, on, I think it was Wednesday of this past week. I got out of my car and started walking through the door and I looked at the, looked at the front and I was like, whoa, what changed? What's different? And what I didn't know is, is, is Ernest had, he's been helping us out around the church and he cleaned all the windows. I don't think those windows have been cleaned for like seven years, y'all. And what you don't realize is, what I didn't realize is, I never realized how dirty and tainted those, those windows were until they were actually cleaned. I think that's oftentimes the way our life is that we don't even realize that we're not seeing things right. We're seeing things through a dirty lens. We're seeing things through a distorted lens where we're not seeing clearly. 
And we need the power of the Holy Spirit alive in us to open the eyes of our heart, to be able to see God for who He really is, to be able to see ourselves for who we are in Christ, to be able to see other people around us. You know that one of the greatest works of the enemy is he will make see things seem darker, bigger, worse than they are. He roams around like a roaring lion. You know, and as I was at home fighting COVID, I got to tell you, one of, the, one of the most challenging things about walking through that is the flood of thoughts and the flood, the, the movie in your mind that the enemy wants to play out. He wants to remind you how, how you could die and all these things that could happen to you. And fear starts to creep in. I actually think that the enemy has used COVID in America as a gateway spirit for the spirit of fear to come into people's lives to create a gateway for other spirits like anxiety and depression and oppression. And for some of us, he's been leading us in these dark images and pictures of what's gonna happen to our life. And some of us, we've completely lost our ability to see the way God sees. There's a, a great picture of this in one of my favorite movies. It's called Hook, and I'm going to close after this. But I want to I wanna show it to you. And in this clip you're going to see is Peter Pan, played by Robin Williams. And he's lived his life in the natural, natural world, the real world, as a lawyer. And he's become domesticated and civilized and he's got it into this routine of living life and he completely forgot who he really was. He forgot that he had the ability to, to fly and to do all these amazing things and live in this world of imagination where anything was possible. And, and some of the lost boys, as he went back to Never Never Land, they're trying to get him to, to see, you're Peter Pan, and he doesn't see it. He's like, no, I just need to go back to the real world. I need to go back to my life as a lawyer. And, and there's this moment in this scene that you're going to see where this one little boy, I love the faith of children. They're not distorted like we are. They haven't experienced some of life that have distorted the way we see things. Sometimes they see more pure. And this one little boy, he starts to see something in Peter that he doesn't see in himself and he forgot. And he reminds him, you gotta watch it. how to see through the eyes of the Holy Spirit. We bought into the lies of the enemy and the world. We started looking at ourselves and looking at God through a distorted lens, through dirty. And I wonder if the Spirit of God here this morning isn't coming up to some of you and grabbing your face pushing back all the pain, all the depression, all the fear, all the anxiety, and saying, oh, there you are. There you are. You might have lost you for a little while. You might have forgotten who you are in Christ. You might have forgotten the amazing future and the hope that he's called you to. 
this is a moment where the Holy Spirit is pushing all that back. He's saying, this is who you really are. My son, my daughter, I love you. I died for you. I gave my life for you. I put my Holy Spirit inside of you because I have a call greater than you know. I've got a purpose for your life greater than you know. And if you'll just listen, if you'll tune in to my still small voice, if you'll follow my leading and my promptings, let me tell you, there's, there's, there's a great adventure out there that I have for you. If you'll just see what I want to do. There are moments like this where he gives us a glimpse, just like he did with Isaiah. He gave him a glimpse of a heavenly reality. Sometimes we need a glimpse of a higher reality than reality that we're living in, the things that we can see in our natural eyes. And so I want to pray for you as we close the service. But I also want to pray for those of you, I believe there may be some of you in the room where you have never surrendered your life to Jesus. You've never had that born again experience where the Spirit of God has come alive in you. And I want to give you an opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus for the very first time so that Spirit could come alive in you. Some of you, you've walked away from God. You're like that infant that Paul was talking about, that the Spirit of God's in you, but you're not growing in your faith. Your faith is not working. Today is the day you need to come back to God and say, God, I've been going my own way. Today I repent from my way and I surrender. And I said, today, today's the day I get back on track. Today's the day I get back on your path and plan for my life. And I choose to follow you, be led by your Holy Spirit. So if that's you, first I want to pray for those who maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. Would you pray this prayer with me? And friend, this is the greatest decision that you could make with your life today. Jesus, come on, pray this prayer with me. Jesus, thank you for coming to earth, living a sinless life, fully God, fully man, for going to the cross, taking on my sin, and nailing it to that cross, that I might be free, that I might be forgiven. God, would you forgive me? of all my sin. Cleanse me. Make me new so that I could follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support the ministry of Hope Church at hopechurchmt.com give. Also follow us on social media at hopechurchmt. Be blessed and have a great week.